0: Good afternoon, everybody. This is Hashtag No Limits. I am your host, Shelly Kino, and joining me today is Seth Perler. He is the guru of on executive function skills and how to to live with them, how to address them, how to teach to them. Um, And he's also, he himself is someone who has had executive functioning deficits in his lifetime. Hashtag no limits is about people who society has placed limits upon, but who have busted through those limits. And I believe that there is no better example of that than the caterpillar turning into the butterfly. Um, Ophelia says in Hamlet, we know who we are, but not who we will be. And again, the butterfly and the caterpillar to me are the perfect examples because who, whoever would watch a caterpillar and think that something that was on the ground crawling around would be flying and become, you know, this amazing being that, that goes all over the world. And, um, in our society today, it's not easy when you have limits placed upon you. It's definitely not easy to bust out of those limits, but people like Seth, people like myself and all kinds of organizations all around the world are helping people to bust through those limits. And so today, Seth and I are going to talk about those um, kinds of people and his personal experiences. So Seth, thank you for joining me today on hashtag no
1: Hey, Shelley. Hi, everybody. Good morning. I'm, I'm in a time zone where my eyes are just, I'm kind of getting started with my day. So hi, everybody.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's in the beautiful <clears throat> state of Hawaii, and I'm in the scorching hot Midwest of Illinois. So um, I'm a little bit jealous. And oh, I, I tend to forget this part every time, um, the, the housekeeping stuff. If you like this, make sure that you um, like the, the Facebook page, subscribe to YouTube, um, click the little notifications so that you know anytime that I go live. Most of my viewers know all that stuff already, but it's always a good idea to add that in there. And if you um, would please let us know if you're watching this hashtag live or if you're watching it in the replay, hashtag replay. If you have any questions, be sure to pop them into the comments and we will get to them if we can. So Seth, tell us about you and about your childhood.
1: Sure. Sounds good. Um, also, in the comments, if you want to tell us where you're from and who you are and about um, your what you know about executive function or your kiddo with executive function or whatever, I'd be interested in that will help me know what to say. But um, a little bit about who I am and my childhood is um, growing up, I grew up in Columbus, Ohio, right near you, right near Illinois. And um, I was adopted at whatever two or three days old and I was adopted into a fantastic family that you know were not perfect but um you know really had my needs met and had a a good family and had everything I needed um but I just never fit in the box now this was a really good thing I was just a really outside the box thinker I was quirky I was um it was an am a very extroverted person, uh, just innocent, full joy, just kind of, you know, just, just this little boy running around with the who daydreamed a lot and had a real wild imagination. And, um, so, and I, I went to school as we do. And, um, I literally in first grade, my progress reports started saying that I wasn't paying attention or I wasn't trying or needed to be more motivated or disciplined or whatever the story was. But what happened was for me was that I I really was sort of atypical in that I was very creative and extroverted and liked to be in nature all the time and uh, all this stuff. But Um, but I really struggled to do the things that other kids in class seem to be able to do pretty easily. And I didn't really understand that I was struggling with this. I didn't really see it at the time. I was just in my own world. Right. But as I look back on these progress reports and just see over and over daydreaming, uh, lazy, unmotivated and stuff like that, I, I was not lazy. I was not unmotivated. The daydreaming it, it, to this day is such a gift in my life. Like my daydreaming is my how I envision goals and things like that. Um, but I was not compliant Okay, so school. A lot of times, school is about compliance and doing what you're told and fitting into a box and being what the adults expect you to be. And I was never good at that, uh, and I'm still not. And um, so that that that's where I was as a kiddo and went through high school. I, I my grades, you know, I started getting D's and F's in middle school and through high school, and almost failed out of high school. I got into college on a probation, really you know, I could barely fill out the college application. So in getting in on probation um, was because my grades were so low, my test scores were high. And, and then I failed out of college. Then I went to another college, really, because I just didn't want to live with my parents. And I dropped out of that college before failing out. And I, I just, I, it just seemed like People were given an instruction book for how to live and navigate life that I was not given. I struggled with depression and bipolar and, um, I was diagnosed bipolar at 13 or something. And I don't know if I was or wasn't honestly. Um, but I know that I struggled and I know that I didn't like who I was and I didn't understand why. And I felt like giving up and I felt like, um, anything I did was a waste of time and that I couldn't do it right. And, and then this is what I see with a lot of the kids that I work with now, you know, they just can't, it's so much effort to do things and then still be told this isn't good enough. You got to redo your paper. You got to redo this. Um, or you turned it in late. So it's a zero or whatever the story is, but, where do we put our energy? And and I started internalizing the shame and just feeling like, wow, Seth is not, you know, I'm I'm not a good person. I'm not a worthy person. I really internalized
0: these right. things. Yeah. I um I've written a book called Those Who Can't Teach. And I just sent Um, The book is out. It was published in in 2020. But I just sent an excerpt to a dean of education at a university because I'm trying to get it into colleges with teaching programs because teachers who have read this book have said to me that it's changing the way that they are teaching students. And so in the excerpt that I just sent uh, literally minutes before joining on this call, the, the student that was interviewed for the particular chapter, I think, sounds so much like you. Um, he talked about, you know, how teachers, because they couldn't see it, they either didn't believe it, that there was something happening, or they, you know, his perception was that it was too much work for them to do the accommodations or provide the the modifications and so therefore they didn't do them and then he would spend you know hours of homework a night only to turn in that paper and have it marked up in red and you know he's given it every ounce of energy he had and 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 you know feeling like this is the best that i can do and then he would get it back and it It's so heartbreaking to me because this is somebody that I knew personally and to know that feeling of, I'm not good enough. I have given you every ounce of all that I am and you're telling me it's not good enough. And that's, we have to do better. I'm a, I'm a former special education teacher. We have to do better um, for all of our kids. And and not every kid who has some executive functioning deficits has an IEP. So I don't say that we have to be better just for kids with IEPs, individualized education programs, but for all of our students who don't get it the way that we teach it. Because when I read your story, when I've heard, your, heard you speak, um, it, I just feel so hurt for you. And for the millions that have those same feelings, that they're somehow not worthy because they don't learn the way the teacher is teaching.
1: Yeah, and so and it doesn't have to be that way.
0: No, it doesn't. And as, and as a teacher, I apologize to you because I, you know, I mean, I don't, I wasn't your teacher, obviously, but I still, because it's my profession and, and my career that I loved, you know, I, I just feel like we we owe a big apology to grownups and current students still.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, and, 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 A few things as you're talking come to mind. One is, is that we do tend to catastrophize and make mountains out of molehills and and have black and white thinking. So for me as a kid, it's not like my whole childhood was like that. Like I had, right. I did have good teachers who really cared and understood, or even if they didn't understand what exactly was going on, they were patient and compassionate and empathetic and um, just knew where the system didn't align with different kids' brains, neurodiverse brains, even if the term neurodiversity wasn't even a term back then, there were definitely good teachers that I had that that had a positive impact. Um, and, you know, I had I had friends and I had a good family and all, all this stuff. But the, the challenges were bad enough for me that it caused – Uh, devastating um, real consequences in my life. And because of how I felt about me and and because of some adults who did not get it and who continued to pressure and label and um, shame. Yeah. I I did internalize that and feel like I, I I, I was a worthless piece of crap. And then my two um, inner critic stories, my main inner critic stories or I'm a lazy failure. Those two words, I'm lazy and I'm a failure. Those were sort of the things that when somebody pushed me to do something, I could just, those were my ace in the hole. I could just go to, you know what? I'm just lazy. I'm just a failure. And that was part of how I did not execute. And I I kept myself stuck and how I continued to procrastinate and put things off that were good for me because. I had had so many experiences where I did try and they're like, you're not trying hard enough. And yeah. like you said, it's just heartbreaking. And then I became a teacher as well. I fell in love with education and, um, and I love teaching. And I love complicated kids who struggle. That is my, that, but that's why I do what I do today.
0: Right. And that's
1: why I left teaching because I felt like the system and that that's a big word, but, or, a very vague word but the system at large um held me back from being able to serve humanity in the way that i wanted to serve during this lifetime so i left that career after 12 years of teaching and a master's in gifted and talented education working with tons of Tui kids and, and special ed kids and and typical kids and um and started what I do now, which is really focusing on these kids who struggle with the executive function stuff, because I know they do. not, And I see in my practice, they do not have to live feeling that way. I, and I want things to change and they can change. Schools don't have to be the way they are. There are powers out there that want them to continue to stay how they are. And because they're not interested in what kids or human beings need, but they're, you know there there are benefits to certain people to keeping the status quo and yeah. people profit and benefit and yeah. i'm not saying and i don't want to get into like a bunch of like you know conspiracy theories yeah no like but <laughs> the simple fact is is that profits are made by people who benefit from things staying status quo
0: yeah, so you mentioned 2E, so I just want you to explain that for anybody who may not know what 2E means.
1: Yeah, yeah, so 2E is, uh, so in the, uh, are most of the people watching parents?
0: Um, That parents seems to be either. the majority of the demographic, but I do have some who, who are not parents, or who are parents but not parents of someone who was in special education.
1: Well, it's important for everybody, I think, to know what 2E is. Yeah. And I'll explain why, but e, I me mean, in the education world, there's a word called exceptional or exceptionalities. Now a special ed kid, now d- d- you use whatever terms you want. I don't know, but, but for lack of a better word, so everybody can understand a kid in special ed labeled as special ed has challenges has learning challenges but they may have other other challenges besides learning challenges. But typically speaking, we have kids with learning challenges, some for some reason they're struggling to learn certain things. That's an exceptionality. They have an exceptional need that is not met within the typical classroom setting. Now you could go down that rabbit hole and say, well, a lot of needs are not met in the typical right, classroom right. because it, it's um, outdated and yada yada. But nonetheless, then we have, and if you imagine this thing called a bell curve, and I have problems with the bell curve too. I have problems with everything. But there is a <laughs> this. This is why I like curve, you so
0: much because right? there's we a,
1: have these things like a bell curve. Yeah. Right, that we've seen the in education we try to use this tool like a bell curve to describe certain things about a human being which is not a piece of data or a right. mass of pieces of data. Right. But bell curves represent data and it can be useful, but we put way too much emphasis on a lot of this stuff or we misuse it anyhow. You have a bell curve and you have a kiddo who has challenges in whatever metric you're looking at on that particular bell Then you have a kiddo on the opposite end of that bell, and they're gifted and talented. And that word is loaded as well because people think elitism, and that is not what gifted and talented is about. In fact, a lot of kids who are not elite or who are not what we usually perceive as elite, which is wealthy, who are not even identified as gifted, that's a whole nother issue too right? We can do a whole hour on (laughs) each of these topics alone, but an exceptionality means that you have this bell curve and you, you have this system that says we can teach these kids in the middle of this bell curve, but you have kids on this end who really struggle with whatever the metric is. You have kids on this end who it's, they're gifted in that area. It's, uh, they don't need to, you're not meeting their needs by having them in that classroom or in that learning experience relearning something they already know that does not serve them. In fact, that can have detrimental effects as well. So a 2E kiddo is a kid who has legitimate learning challenges, whether or not, as you said at the beginning of the podcast, whether or not they're identified or labeled or have an IEP or whatever, they have legitimate challenges and they have legitimate gifts. Mm-hmm. This is a complex human being because the gap between those things creates a lot of misunderstanding for parents and teachers where you have certain kids who their gifts can outshine their um, their challenges. And that's the kiddo who the parents like we know and teachers are like we know you can do it. We've seen you do it before. Um, you, you know, we can have a conversation with you like we're speaking to an adult when it comes even though you're only, you know, nine years old. You talk at such a high level. You're so verbal, blah blah blah. Yet your writing is like you're in preschool still. Like there's this gap, and okay. um, so the, these the gifts can sort of outshine and confuse the challenges where the challenges aren't even seen or noticed or addressed properly. And then you have that some kiddos where the challenges can outshine the gifts, like maybe a kid who's not very verbal, doesn't speak very much. You have no idea that there's this incredible cognitive mind going on in certain domains. And it's not even addressed. It's not noticed. It's not um, it's not uh, developed. So and then you have kids, what I call the gray area kids, which these are the kids who are 2E but it's really gray and they're not identified. I just got another email the other day that the school said that my kid doesn't struggle enough with this or their grades are too high to get the help for this, ah! but <laughs> it drives us nuts, right? Yes. Because we know that there is a need that because of the red tape and because we even have things called grades, which I take issue with grades. Big time, so I do think. I. <laughs> yeah. Grades are need to go go bye bye they are so destructive and misused and misunderstood
0: yeah we um, could have a whole episode on that too mm-hmm.
1: and for those <laughs> of you that are asked the question i've heard a million times well then how are we going to know blah 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 well there are uh, just let me tell you there are other ways to know yeah you know you don't look at your friendships and grade them there are other metrics and discussions you have in your own mind about the success or lack of success of your friendships or relationships in your life—they're not right. great. Yeah. So basically, that's called um, authentic assessment. You have more authentic ways of assessing something. That's a very simplistic view. Again, this something <laughs> you can go on for yeah. hours, but that's what two E is. So it's important to understand what two E kids are, even if your kid is not two E, because everything is on spectrums and when you understand that and you then you understand that the bell curve is really a whole entire 3d bell and there are many 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 metrics that are not measured and there's a saying that says not everything that is measured matters and not everything that matters is measured and There are so many ways to look at your kid. And the gist really is this. Your kid's going to be an asynchronous learner. They're going to learn at different paces and different contexts and with different teachers and different. uh, they're going to appear in different learning experiences, ways that they take in the information. But what you want to do as a parent or a teacher, ultimately, is you want to differentiate. It sounds so simple because in the teaching world, that word is thrown around all the time. But you want to differentiate for that human being so that they can get the most out of whatever the given content is so that they can build skills to have a good life.
0: Yeah. And when, when you talk about those teeny, you know, what 2% or less are those extreme ends on the bell curve. Uh We do, we tend to focus on the side where the child has obvious struggles in learning, but so often, we don't address those kids who are on the really high end and you know of they don't necessarily have struggles or which you know you heard me groan when you said it well they don't struggle enough or Mm -hmm. their grades are too high i've had that happen so many times when people have contacted me to help out with their situation and they said the school is saying that well my child is gifted so they don't need special education Mm -hmm. Well, no, that does fall under the special education uh-huh. concept and they should still be getting specially designed instruction, which is that whole idea of special education, uh-huh. because teaching to that, what, 68%, I think is the part that falls like in the big arc of the the bell curve, we're missing 32% <laughs> of our kids. So yeah, there's, there's so much that that can be done differently. Um,
1: There's, There's a saying in the special education world that says best practice for special education is best practice for everyone. There's a saying in the gifted world that says best practice for gifted is best practice for everyone. What that saying really means or implies or what I take from it is that what those teachers are saying is is that the best practice for either of those kids is what you said earlier an iep type thing and there are different words alp and whatever Mm -hmm. but what those the word in ilp that's important is individualized uh differentiated customized personalized tailored we want something for us and as an example i'm in a a bed store yesterday, just to give a very, very, very practical example. I'm looking for a new mattress. So I'm going to all these different mattress stores and trying to figure out how the heck you do this. And it's like really confusing to my brain. Right. There's the this and the that and the firm and the blah, 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 and the machine you lay on and whatever the hell. And I go in yesterday and the guy asks me, you know, he's trying to ask me what I need or yet. Yada, yada. And I'm like, what I need is some space to let me walk around the stupid store and and not be bugged by you. And I didn't say it like that
0: <laughs> right. But that's what you were thinking but that's
1: well, and I said it in a nice way. Right. And he did not listen to me and kept pushing. And 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 that is not personalizing or individualizing or right. differentiating. It is not helping me achieve what I need. And what I need is a good bed, not a salesperson. Now, there's a time when I, I will need his guidance and blah, blah, blah. But he is like the teacher who just doesn't listen.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, just isn't listening. Just is so stuck and and I'm not. I mean, this guy's just doing his job, whatever. Right. But, right. But the it is a real life example of what we're trying to do for these kids. It what you said earlier. It about what the kids said it, it, that you interviewed is that it takes a lot of time and energy. It's hard work to differentiate, yeah. to yeah. get to know the kids, and we do not support teachers to give them the time, the resources the money just the pay for the energy exchange that we expect from them the class sizes we do not the training we do not give teachers what they need to be able to meet the needs of all the kids we throw at them and then they have them for 180 days they're gone from their life and they got a new batch of them like yeah what in the world are we doing i Um, was so
0: fortunate as a special education teacher and and every family that is in my book is a family that I'm either related to or they're friends of mine, or I taught them. And I had the privilege. I was in a very small district. I had some kids, well, pretty much every student I had at least twice. So two years in a row because Mm -hmm. I was the kindergarten through fourth grade teacher for kids who just needed a little bit of extra help. But then I was the whole kindergarten through eighth grade teacher for those kids who needed extensive amounts of help. And so I had some students, like I said, almost every student I had, I had at least for two years, but I had some students that I had eight, nine, and 10 years. And I don't know that that's best either, but I could, I was that thread, you know, along with the parents of, I know where they started, I know where they are today, and we want to keep that going forward. Yes, they're still not 100% on level with their peers in academics, or behavior, or socialization, or whatever it is, but they're so much farther than they were, right. and yeah, to be, to be invested for a child's full lifetime, I mean, everything we do in general education is preparing kids for further education, employment, and independent living. We had to specify that that's what we're doing, In special education, that's part of what it says in the law because we were getting too many people who were just, well, I only have them for this year and I don't care what they, not that they don't care. I don't have to worry about what happens at home or what worry about how they're going to be next year. I just have to get them through this year. And I'm so thankful that they added that in there. And it's something that I push a lot with my families when I'm at meetings with them is telling the teachers, you're not just in it for this year. Your general ed curriculum is already set up this way. You're automatically doing it for them. We had to specify it for special education so that we made sure that you remember and think about it as you're going through and preparing what you're preparing for these students. So let's, and we're not bashing teachers. As you said, Seth, what you said so beautifully is they're not trained enough. They don't have enough resources. I only know a few teachers out of the hundreds of teachers that I know who are really only at school from the first day of school to the last day of school, and then from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. or whatever their school hours are. 98 or 99% of all teachers that I know are working through the summer. They're working in the evenings. They're working on the weekends. They're spending... A lot of their own money to get in everything that they need. And I, I, you know, this whole last year was just incredibly difficult and and more stressful than any other year that Mm -hmm. any teacher that I've ever worked with. That's hard to
1: imagine because teaching already is so stressful. And the title of your book, those who can't teach because it's such a BS, like that is so untrue. Teachers are unbelievably talented human beings. And if they're not, when they start, they become that because if you're going to stay being a teacher, now 50% of teachers quit by year five, they're burnout. they're done. That's an astounding statistic. We have people in our society that are willing to help kids. So willing that they've spent a lot of money and time, four years on a degree to be able to serve kids. And in five years of the career, they're done. That's sick. It's disgusting. Our our society is messed up with, you know, but on the other hand, you have teachers who put everything into your kids and who care and who are not shame based and who work on their own to learn about, you know, about things like um, the nervous system and um, and education policy and yada, 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 yada. I mean, there are teachers that spend so much of uh, Yeah. So,
0: yeah. So I want to talk about, I mean, one of the things that I love about you, what I found out about you and why I wanted you to come on today is to talk about those executive function skills, because it is something that every person has. Um, so if you could explain kind of, I mean, and I know there's several of them, but kind of the overarching
1: okay. definition. So the reason I do what I do is because kids struggle and I like to help kids struggle so that they don't fall through the cracks. Why do I not want them to fall through the cracks? Because I want them to have a good life. So the word education comes the word educare. Educare means to lift or to raise or to bring up or to bring forth. What do we do with our kids? We raise our kids. I'm raising kids. I'm bringing up my kids. That So education, literally, the literal definition means to bring up. Well, When we're not meeting the needs of kids, we're not bringing them up. You know, we're not we're not raising them. So we want to raise them so that they can be, as you said, independent, happy, healthy, successful adults. So, but there's a problem. Some people legitimately struggle to get things done. So the front part of the brain, the prefrontal cortex, the front third of the brain, helps you to execute tasks. It's called executive function. So your brain, the front part of your brain, helps you to execute tasks to get things done. So um, when we have to get something done, like homework, chores, responsibilities, getting a driver's license, doing the uh, a college application, um, putting your toys away, it doesn't matter what age the kiddo is. When something has to be done that's actually important for life, cleaning your dishes, um, doing laundry, put, putting, uh, you know, Reading a book and being focused enough to read anything that needs to be done requires executive function. Even playing video games requires a lot of executive function. If you notice when a kid's playing video games or doing social media or is on whatever technology things they like, they execute on that very, very well. Why? Even if they struggle with executive function, because they practiced it, like, what are the things that have worked in that context that they're not doing when it comes to their school work or the responsibilities? But so executive function uh, is developmental. So the brain is developing and the brain develops from the back forward. So the front part of the brain continues to develop until your kid is 25 or 30 years old. But what's happening is in the world right now, we expect them to do so much. And it's really unreasonable. Like imagine if you had to work all day long and then come home well, this is what teachers do. But imagine (laughs) at your job, you had to work all day and then come home and work on work at night. That's what homework is. And there's hardly any evidence that shows that homework really does any good. I think there's a time and a place for some homework, but most of it is busy work or whatever. Then when you have a kid who has attentional difficulties and they're doing homework and it takes them longer than everyone else or they're just not doing it or whatever. But executive function has to do with anything that helps you to execute the task. So let's take one task. Let's say you have to write uh, an essay. The front part of your brain, in order to write an essay, you have to plan or use a planner or a calendar to even know that you have the essay for homework. You have to pay attention to details to know what the assignment was from the teacher or to read the directions or the instructions. So these are the kids that don't follow the directions. You have to focus and concentrate and pay attention so that you can do that, write that essay and not be distracted by other things. You have to use inhibition, which means inhibiting impulses or impulsivity is the opposite, but you're impulsive to get up and go play or go do something more interesting than writing that paper. You have to inhibit those impulses so that you can continue to stay focused. You have to organize your thoughts. You have to organize your paper. You have to organize your desk. You have to organize things in order to write that essay. So, and and there are many other things, but essentially you have to use working memory, which is, let's say you read a direction and with, let's say you're making your bibliography, you have to look at the thing where the bibliography is and remember that in your mind and then rewrite what the details from that are. There's working memory in all sorts of ways. So The front part of the brain helps you do many, 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 many things that are necessary to do a task. And when developmentally, your your executive function is, we could use the word delayed. I'm not sure I buy that. It just is what it is. But when the expectation is is that it be somewhere where it's not and that they'd be able to juggle so many balls when they can't, then we have problems. And that happens a lot. Whether or not they're diagnosed with ADHD or something else with executive function difficulties, uh, whether or not there's a diagnosis or label or an IAP or a 504 or an RTI or this, that, or the other, we, ha- we are expected to get certain things done in certain amounts of time with certain levels of engagement. And when we can't do that, we are either met with compassion and empathy and support and scaffolding and what ha- and accommodations and modifications or we're not. We're met with shame and pressure and jump through these hoops and why aren't you doing this and, and other types of supports and spending so much time on doing a thing rather than having time to play and rejuvenate and do the things that kids need to do. And so what we're looking at with the executive function is how do we take a kiddo, elementary, middle school, high school, college, doesn't matter, who struggles to execute and how do we help give them the skills that they need? to be able to execute on the tasks we're asking them to do. But also, how do we make adjustments for that human being based on a system that isn't designed for high engagement? Right. And so these are very complicated questions. So my job as an executive function coach is to really look at those two questions. What does this kid need? But also, let's look at the situation they're in. Are they being homeschooled, private school, public school? Um, more of a flexible type of school, what type of situation are they in? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: How do we help them meet the expectations there? But through the filter of, are those expectations even realistic? Are they really aligned with that human being? And if not, how do we get that system to understand and to to meet them where they're at? So that's what executive function is all about. And sadly, the kids who struggle with executive function often are not, are very misunderstood and then fall through the cracks and then they can struggle with mental health issues, with addiction, with career, with relationships, yada, yada. I'm not trying to make it sound all doom and gloom, but a lot of these kids really struggle for years or decades. I mean, I have so many followers that say, Seth, I wish I had you when I was a kid. My response is, I wish I had me when I was a kid. (laughs) I went through what exactly what you're talking about. So there's so many parents who went through the same thing. I got one just the other day, um, and she said she's 61 years old, and she's talking about her struggles and how she's understanding them now and um, how her two kiddos have struggled. I mean, it's just when we – and it's not just executive function, but that's my world. So everybody watching, it's not just executive function, but my world is about that. When these kids aren't seen and met where they're at, they can fall through the cracks and the consequences are real. This is not a joke. This is not a game. This is people's human beings' lives. We go through, oh, it's school, blah, blah, blah. And we kind of downplay it, not purposely, but it's just as if, oh, it just is what it is. No, it's not. We created this. We created the system. We we need to um, be the change and speak up. And can I say one more thing?
0: Of course, this is your, sh- this is about you. So you say what you want.
1: <laughs> There's an interesting pattern that I've noticed. And when I, when I ask myself, why don't, why haven't things changed now? Part of the reason things haven't changed is because uh, there, there are profit motives with, I mean, textbook companies, curriculum manufacturers, standardized test companies, these are multi-billion dollar companies. They have profit models. Um, they're looking at fractions of percentages and how how, how to profit and, And we could go into all sorts of weird shit about that. I'll give you one thing. Let's look at a college textbook. It's sold the first time. Let's say it costs $200, but then the college bookstores bring them back, resell them the second time for $180, whatever it is. And then they resell it multiple times. Then there's a next edition. Now there's the 10th edition. They have a reason for, you know. Right. What is going on here? How how much these are? But what what it illustrates just is that these are real models that have been thought out by very complex companies. You know, there there are reasons to keep it status quo. This is just yeah. one example. But why haven't things changed? I have this weird theory about how. What happens is is that you have a kindergartner. A parent has a kindergartner or something. They start to figure out kindergarten. Next thing you know, they're on a first grade, second grade, third grade. Their kids start struggling, falling through the cracks. Let's just say in this example, in third grade, you know, when we're learning cursive and multiplication and more compliance is necessary. And by fifth grade, they're really starting to fall through the cracks. But they don't really see it, let's say, until sixth grade when the hand holding stops. They're in middle school suddenly. and All of a sudden, they were getting all A's or fours or whatever the school does. And all of a sudden, they're in middle school. And the kid has four F's the first semester. And the parent is like, what in the world is going on? My kid was doing fine, and now they're not. And then, and they're learning about sixth grade, then seventh grade, then eighth grade, then the first year of high school, blah, blah, blah. They're done with school. Their kid, kiddo is 18 or whatever. They go on with whatever their next steps are. But is that parent of a kiddo who's leaving high school communicating with a parent of the kid who's coming in at kindergarten? And sharing their wisdom is there any connection of the gap no they're so done they're so and there so there's something about our the way the system happens to be set up that makes for a dis- disconnect where we don't connect the dots in such a way that we have the outrage that we should
0: mm-hmm.
1: in terms of the changes that need to be made that's my yeah. little theory.
0: Well, and you know there are people like you and myself, and um, we Thank I think have too. some some uh, <clears throat> friends in common, like Gail Cohen and um, a few others that we both know that are trying to bring this to the forefront. And I don't want to say incite because that sounds really aggressive, but in a sense, that's what we're trying to do is to get people. Really worked up that we need to do something different. And, you know, what you do and what I do with both of you have a YouTube channel, and we'll get to that here in a a few minutes for you to share that. And, um, you know, it's just trying to put the information out there. And, And we're not saying that the entire system needs to be redone, but it definitely needs to have some eyes looking on it and some people who will look at the science, you know, I mean, (laughs) you and I can't be the only two people that read the information about the fact that homework doesn't have a ton of benefits. We can't be the only two people that, you know, look at the executive functioning charts as to, you know, these develop by this age. And then you have, you know, that's got that nice arc of, you know, when certain things develop. And, you know, there have to be more people out that are doing what you and yeah. I do. And-, and there are
1: a lot out there. It's just that the powers that be are so big. So that's why, yeah. you know, what, what we really need is more and more and more of coming together to share that outrage and be like, no, our, my kid is not failing. The system is failing to meet the needs of my kid. There's no such thing right. as an F. We made up that story. My kid's not failing. They're failing within the context here and right. they have needs that are not being met. What are those needs? Now, that's not to say that parents don't have their part as well. We have parents who have, you know, their own mental health problems that are unaddressed and, yeah. and trauma. And then we have a culture with, a, at least in our country, with a healthcare system where to even get the mental health help that you need. First of all, there's a lot of shame around that. So people think right. that, you know, it's bad to get help. <laughs> Just is ridiculous in 2021. Right. And then we have, you know, you got to jump through so many hoops for somebody to actually get, you know, so it's very, very, and I'm not even scratching the surface of the complexities of the problems, but the point is, is right. that our kids continue to suffer right. because they're not being get, given what they need. So, you know, our job is to see how, how what can we do about this uh, and right. to do everything we can and c- continue to make ripples and, and waves of change and, and advocate and speak up and share some truth.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I mentioned your YouTube channel and I know you have a website. Do you want to share those and talk about those a little bit about some of the different ways that you help families and how yeah, they can find can you? And...
1: Out how to do the screen share. Uh, <laughs> here, you practiced so...
0: before we went on, you know how to do it.
1: <laughs> if I can get it right. Okay, there we go. All right, so this Wait, should no, show. Oh, there, okay, okay. So that's my YouTube channel, okay. Negative Function ADHD with Seth Perler. I put out content every week. There's so much stuff there; people binge on it, and
0: and it's um, amazing content. And he literally does every Sunday night. I get an email from Seth that says, hey,
1: last week, which is rare. <laughs> but
0: hey, I, this I is, I is what this week's and, topic is is going to be, and yeah, and it's always very good, very thought out, very." Informative. I don't hold back.
1: <laughs> and then this is my site site. So if you subscribe here, you'll get my update every week. So this is my regular site where I, you know, I have the blog where I put every single YouTube video, um, the number one executive function skill that should be used over summer break, and so that's one that I just did. I'm trying to figure out the screen share here. So that's the actual site site. And then I have one other thing that I'm super passionate about, and that is my executive function summit. So my part of my life's work is I want to get the word out to people all over the world about what the heck is this. So I get all these experts from all over the place and it's a free summit. So you click and register and then um, this will be coming in August. And what happens is, is we get um, about 24 or so experts and it's free and you can purchase the recordings and everything if you want. But for 3 days it's free and you just saturate yourself in these experts and walk away with your head spinning going what the heck just happened. Yes. But as mud settles going I understand my child better yeah. and I feel more empowered to help my child. So those are some of the things that I'm involved in. So go sign up for the subscribe to some of the things if you want some of the content or you like the way that I approach content.
0: And, so the uh, yeah. website is Seth Perler. I'm going to put this in the chat. SethPerler.com. And then your YouTube channel is also just called Seth Perler?
1: I don't know. Look up Seth Perler or executive okay. function on YouTube. Yeah. Okay.
0: Um, yeah. And then you'll... I say,
1: I say that because I'm an imperfectionist. And <laughs> <laughs> I've changed the name of it so many times. I just...
0: Well, and you and have then... enough... Enough followers. See, I don't have enough subscribers yet that I can get my own personalized YouTube channel. So I'm yeah, you still. Can. No, oh, I think you. Can't? I have... No, you have to have hundred, and I don't have the 100. a hundred. Name of
1: your YouTube channel, though. That's yeah.
0: Oh I... yeah, yeah. Okay. I can change the name of it, but and yeah. To the get other personalized.
1: is dot Yeah. And if anybody has questions, I'll be—I'll stay on for a couple more minutes. But you are the audience. I'm live. You are here right now. Pop it in the chat and ask me anything, and I'll do a question or two if,
0: uh, for anybody
1: who's out there and wants to ask.
0: Did you say executive func- function? I can't say it. Executive
1: function summit. Summit.
0: Okay, summit. That's, I thought there was another word in there that I was forgetting. And yes, um, I have attended that summit and I hope to partner with Seth um, for one of the next upcoming ones to participate as one of his. Um, I'm going to say guest speakers. No. Okay. I'll call myself an expert. I don't like to use that word because that puts a lot of you. pressure on a person. We we'll
1: used the word guru at the beginning <laughs> and
0: I was thinking
1: for everybody watching. I'm no guru. I don't know anything. I'm just a dude who cares about this stuff and cares about seeing kids be happy. And I just, you know, I like learning about the brain and the mind and, and quality of life. And, um, yeah. but as far as gurus, like, you know, we're all just, human beings just trying to do our best this is just something i've invested thousands of hours learning about
0: right Um, and because my my
1: way is different than other people's ways you know i don't wear a tie i don't you know dress up anymore and i'm me and and i come from here and um yeah yeah we haven't we don't know
0: my my audience is really quiet today um and it's my my um live viewers. I only have one who commented that he was watching and um, I'm not sure. And his child, I know him personally, his, well, his daughter is 21, 20. Um,
1: Well, ask me one question. Let's wrap up like this. Give me one question that you think is really important for people to understand. We're entering summer right now and there's executive function during summer. And then we also have this fall coming off of a very bizarre um 18 months or so right. So, what 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 do you think your
0: audience has on their mind well uh, i think your topic that you just posted um this past week that number one executive function skill for the summer you mm-hmm. know i had i had told um my followers about a week or so ago that summer is a great time to teach how to occupy your, yourself during an unstructured time yeah um, so, and I don't, so I don't know sometimes. if that's the same as, yeah, you know, yeah,
1: well it is. Okay. So the kids, oh my gosh, uh, after this past year, they need no structure. They need mm-hmm. it so bad, so bad, mm-hmm. but they also need structure.
0: Right.
1: So that's what I think I want parents and teachers to walk away with is there's a balance, they need way, 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 way less structure than during the school year. But they don't need zero structure. They need right. a, a regular bedtime, even high school kids. Sorry. Um, <laughs> even adults. Because it will impact their mental health. Mm-hmm. It will I- impact their mood. It will impact their decision making. Uh, it will impact their executive function. They need a regular bedtime. They need So there are certain things, to, uh, certain structures to have in place. So you do want to can you do want to have certain structures and not just squander the summer. This is a gift. It's a it's a time where you can say, Wow, what do my kids need? Now I say the number one thing is planning. So you we make plans. So even if it's unstructured, use the word plan mm-hmm. because there are plans. So your kiddo is leaving the house and you go, whoa, 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 where are you going? Just change the words. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa what's your plan? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to go blah, blah, blah. Or I'm just going to go hang out. That's not a plan. What's your plan? Well, we're going to go hang out. I'll be back at three. We'll be at this place in this place, maybe. Okay. Now we have a semblance of a plan. And now you can say, well, what if you're not back by three? What do I do? And that's called buy-in and ownership where you're like, not just telling them everything. And we're trying to get some buy-in and they're part of the process. But basically... You don't say we're practicing executive function and planning, (laughs) but you're just you're using languaging around that. Hey, what's your plan? What time? How are you going to? And then how how what do I do if you're not back by three? That's accountability. Um, You know, what do we do to hold you accountable that you're going to do what you say you're going to do? You know, when do you need to be picked up? Um, So what's your plan for pickup? What's your friend's plan? you know, so planning is so important. And I want them through the summer to be connecting the dots that they're planning, because when they go back to school, they have to make plans, Mm -hmm. plans about when they're going to what time they're going to do their homework, how long the thing about planning is kids who struggle with executive function don't prioritize very well, they don't know how long things take, they're unrealistic about things, they don't know what order to do things in, they don't know what the most important thing is. All of these things are parts of planning that you can just be using because they're doing them anyway, but you're bringing them to the conscious mind. You're bringing them uh, mindfully in a way where your kid is aware of it and you're making plans. They can be a weekly plan, plans for camp, plans for the day, plans for the evening, plans for the whole summer. What do you plan to do this summer? You know, how many kids plan to get a job this summer? And before we know it, summer's going to be over and they never got that job. So there's a lot of planning skills that are involved in these things. So plan. The other thing I think for summer too is organizing and doing micro projects and decluttering and minimizing and downsizing. Kids have so much clutter and doing little micro projects throughout the summer. Again, don't let the summer go by. And then, you know, their stuff just piles and piles and piles. Like, use the summer to work through that, that helps them get ready to organize their folders and their papers and their binders and their online world and all this and their locker and their desk and all this stuff. So that little bit of organization and decluttering throughout the summer, and I'm not just saying one day this summer, I'm saying micro things speckled right. throughout. So I want to see people planning and organizing and just doing sort of executive function things speckled throughout the entire summer Um, And they should continue to do their chores and responsibilities or stewardship is the word I like for that, but where they pull their weight and they don't just like leave a mess in the house, but you know, you can clean up after them and argue with them or yell at them or give them allowance or whatever, but whatever's going on in your house. You want a kid who becomes an adult who is responsible and can live an adult life. So, we got to look at where we're enabling and rescuing and doing too much and where we're not doing enough and sort of find that balance between the. Uh, and now, I'll go back to the beginning. There, for the freedom ain't free thing, that there is structure. There has to be some structure, but we sort of want to have the least there's a thing in business called minimum viable product we sort of want the minimum amount of structure but we want the structure we need so really think through what structures do we want to implement and how can we do that and how can we do the stuff we're doing anyway but put a spin on it so that it's connecting dots to help yeah
0: them in and the that wall. is such an awesome example um, because i think about so many parents, and I certainly ran into this as a special education teacher, especially as I talked about those kids who had more extensive needs that I had longer periods of time, we need to give kids the time to make a mistake. And by mistake, I just sometimes mean they just don't do it the way that we do it. Um, We as parents have to let go of this is the right way to do something and allow our kids to figure out their right way to accomplish a task. And having to, I think, remember that, what is my ultimate goal here? I mm-hmm. want the task completed. That's the ultimate goal. So the if they take 12 steps and you only need two, you probably didn't only need to the very first time you did that task. You figured out over time, how to reduce the number of steps it takes. And they
1: won't need 12 the next time because right. they had an experience rather than being told how to do it. They right. actually had an experience.
0: Right. And and giving that amount of time, I know, you know, last year was a great pause because we were given that gift of time of, okay, you can't go anywhere now. So you're not racing off to the next event. So you had the time to actually allow the, the child to do some of those things and practice some of those skills. And now, unfortunately, it seems like people are back into that running on the on the hamster wheel of we're got to constantly go, constantly go, constantly go. And, and I th- I'm afraid that we're going to lose that idea of it's okay if it takes them a little bit of time, because as you mentioned, we're trying to get them to be adults that are productive members of society. And if we're always doing stuff for them because it's faster or it's easier for us, we're setting them up for failure in the future.
1: Yeah, they're not having the learning experience. And this fall, I have similar concerns. So parents out there, teachers are going to be having a lot of pressure from their administrators and districts to get back to status quo. We're not there. We're not even close. Nope. There's very complex problems that are gonna arise this fall, uh, I think, um, and we don't even know what they are yet. I, I I see some of them that I think we're gonna have, um, but we don't even know what's gonna happen, but we do know that we don't know and that there's gonna be problems, but there's gonna be pressure on teachers to go back to the standards and the curriculum and covering curriculum. And it, it's as if teachers are given the message Okay, we're on a train. The train is going at this speed and you need to cover this. So like you got a textbook, you got to cover all these 10 chapters in these 10 months of the school year and good luck Mm -hmm. and figure it out. And we're not going to give you any more resources or any more time because that's impossible. And we're not going to give you less students and we're not going to give you more money. Right. Um, And that pressure will trickle down. Now, you're going to have a lot of amazing teachers who get that but you're going to have the ones who don't or the ones who only partially get it. And that pressure will trickle down and and your kids do need time. We're not there yet. So yeah, be looking out for that and advocate how you need to, but, but really notice the most important thing is your kid notice their needs and forget about grades. Like their mental health is more important. Absolutely. I'm not saying don't, don't try or anything, but just keep, keep the priorities straight always. And it's hard because there's pressure.
0: Right. I think the majority of entrepreneurs and the majority of people that we know as celebrities or people who have broken through things were people who had average or or below average grades in school because they had to learn different ways to get the same information and get out the same information that somebody who was getting straight A's because it was more natural to them or whatever. So Yeah, so grace is definitely going to be needed and a little bit of patience and understanding from both school side and and the parent side of things this fall. So Seth, it's time to wrap up. Um, All right. I so it, appreciate you being here today and I look forward to continuing to work with you on the summit and just continuing to follow you. I appreciate everybody. Um, Michael, I s- appreciate you being here and anybody else who was here I, that uh, the numbers of who was here and who was not kept going up and down the whole time. So I only had one comment, but thank you to everybody else who was here and I will see you next week. Bye everybody.